0: How are the leaders at all levels of management tackling the toughest challenges each day? That's the question. And this podcast is the answer. I'm Rob Fonte, and I'm bringing on the brightest minds in management to share practical solutions to those challenges you're facing. Let's get ready to jam. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Leadership Jam Session. Today's guest is Martine Kalau, who is an organizational development expert, author, speaker, and a diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant and trainer for corporate executives with more than a decade of experience increasing the performance and productivity of Fortune 500 companies and tech startups. She's here today to talk about her latest book, The ABCs of Diversity, A Manager's Guide to Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion in the New Workplace. Martine, welcome to the Jam Session.
1: Thank you for having me, Rob. I'm excited to jam with you.
0: (laughs) I'm excited to have you here and are you ready to jam?
1: Absolutely,
0: absolutely. All right. So I have your book, I have it here in front of me. I have to say, loved the layout of your book.
1: Thank you. I could, tell,
0: you. I could tell it was written with a trainer's eye in terms of the approach, the layout, love the layout. It was almost as if I was kind of like going through a course as well. It was very easy and practical. That's
1: brilliant. I am so happy you said that that was my intention. Ah. It was meant to be, to feel like a workshop, a conversation that you would have in a live training room or, you know, workroom.
0: Oh, I could definitely Ah. tell. Well, if that was your intent, you definitely achieved it. So I love the content as well. So we'll talk about that. The, The thing that caught my eye is you talked about how the key to success in terms of, diversity, or DEI, starts with middle management. So maybe you can kind of share what, what your thoughts are behind that.
1: Yes, absolutely. And let me just backtrack and say it's it starts with middle management, but there's also another group that's critically important in this equation, and that's human resources, because they're usually tagged with the responsibility of owning uh, DEI and rolling it out into the organization. So what I believe and what I do in my company, Martine Calau Enterprises, is really support human resources in saving time, reducing the burden and increasing return on investment as it relates to everything around diversity, equity and inclusion. And what I know, and I one of the, some of the many pain points that human resources has is that they're overburdened by DEI because it's usually dumped on them. That's yeah. how they see it. Another challenge that human resources has is that they don't have the experience or the knowledge around DEI, and then it's dumped on them. And then mm-hmm. third is they're already challenged in a lot of organizations with obtaining a seat at the table. Mm -hmm. So when you couple all of that with DEI, they're already struggling. They don't have the knowledge and now they have to move forward and make it happen. And they don't, the challenge is creating strategy. And so a lot of times they're just putting together a bunch of programs and Mm -hmm. seeing if it sticks. Right. And that's not working. We know it's not working because a lot of organizations out there are taking um, strides and taking steps around DEI but things aren't really changing. So what I'm arguing is that right DEI it has to be a business imperative. It has to be presented to organizations in the same manner that you know organizations approach sales and marketing. They look at the bottom line, they look at how it's going to affect and impact their organization. So what I am suggesting is that human resources has to get in order for them to obtain a seat at the table and really affect and impact DEI is that you know they have to be able to, to put together a strong strategy to be able to identify the return on investment. And so that is more of the business strategy component of DEI. However, I have people say, Martine, like DEI is about social impact. It's about people who, who are experiencing microaggressions. It's about marginalized communities. Of course, I know that. Mm-hmm. I've experienced it myself firsthand. But uh, what I'm suggesting is that now we're just preaching to the choir. The same individuals that feel marginalized in organizations are moving, are trying to move the needle and it's not moving. So we need HR to get a seat at the table by inviting all of the stakeholders to be involved in this through being able to communicate return on investment. In addition to that, we also need to invite managers. Managers are a critical component to this equation. And the reason being is because when we think about the makeup of an organization and the trajectory of the organization, it really comes down to people. And who really affects people, who decides what people come into an organization, what their journey in an organization is, it's managers. And they do that by leveraging their management skills through management development. So DEI gets to be embedded in management development so that it feels like a natural, it feels more natural for managers to affect change around DEI. Because it's part of management development. It's part of the skill set that they can enhance.
0: I, I agree that oftentimes, you know, it just feels like it's a check the box. A course is put together and and that's it. And I get it, right? HR has a lot of other requests, a lot of a lot of things they're handling and they're just trying to meet the need. And so it becomes a, a pet peeve of mine, the flavor of the year or it's just yeah. an event. And then that's it. So I I completely agree with you. I found your you know your your book refreshing for a lot of reasons but the whole concept around getting the managers more involved and you kind of address part of the issues out there I know there's a lot of managers out there there's there's those listening right now that are just afraid to say anything we're in a very hypersensitive environment right now there's just the fear of even saying something that might be taken slightly out of context, and all of a sudden there's fear of, of shame or, or blame, and that right. in itself, I feel, is taken as backwards. It just shuts down dialogue.
1: I couldn't agree more, but it's partly it's because of the way that DEI has been positioned or presented in organizations, right? We're taking this social definition of DEI, what's happening, what's being discussed in society, and we're bringing it into the workplace. But the workplace is a different, it's a different microcosm. What we get to do is reframe it for our organizations. DEI doesn't always have to be this ethereal concept. And I think mm. that's really what people are afraid of. Yeah. It feels very ethereal. And usually the people that are talking about it outside of the workplace are people who have studied it, have PhDs, have been you know, studying DEI, race theory, right. all of these things for years. So the average manager doesn't feel equipped to right. navigate that. That's one thing. Secondly, because of that, it, it doesn't feel accessible. Third, they feel like based on their experiences historically, we all have experiences tied to an element of diversity, an element of equity, an element of inclusion, where the response wasn't what they expected. They felt targeted. They felt shamed. They felt blamed. But the problem is if people keep feeling this way, they don't don't want to be involved in the conversation. And at the end of the day, when I interact one-on-one with different individuals and organizations, I've had white men and many, when we look at many organizations and we look at like Mm -hmm. the demographics of those who sit in the highest positions, If we want to be honest with ourselves, they're predominantly white men. So when the response is, Martine, I don't feel like I should say anything. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to offend anyone. I don't think I'm allowed to say anything. And this is what people are telling me. If these are the individuals that can help influence change in organizations and they're not invited into the conversation, then we're not going to move forward nothing changes. And so that's where, you know, this conversation around the ABCs of diversity for managers is really, really critical because we do want it to make, we want to make it accessible. And I wanted to remind managers that, Hey, a lot of the, you know, everything, much of what we're talking about as it relates to DEI, is it already a component of what you're doing as a manager, coaching. The way you respond to someone when they have a problem, someone on your team, when they're frustrated about something, when they have a problem, when they feel like they don't, they don't feel like they're developing fast enough, they're uh, frustrated about, you know, their promotions or not getting a promotion. What do you do? How do you respond? You coach them, you have a conversation, you listen, you try to understand where they're coming from. So that's the same thing you do when someone comes to you and says, I experienced a microaggression. They may not obviously use that language, but but they might say, someone said something to offend me.
0: And right there, a manager, you know, the several managers would just start panicking. That's right. right. And typically what happens is they're like, all right, time out, we're going to go to HR. Yeah. You know, Cause it's, it's, right. and, and unfortunately sometimes HR is the crutch. That's right. And right?
1: sometimes I also hear from individuals, sometimes HR doesn't know how to respond to these things instances as well. So we make it too complicated. And I have had, I mean, I lead these sessions where I go, okay, let's talk about what you would do outside of a conversation as it relates to bias or Mm -hmm. discrimination, whatever. Like, let's talk about when someone comes to you and they're frustrated about their workload. So this is what we get to do even in this space. And that's what makes this the ABCs of diversity because we're trying too hard because we're using this ethereal framework that yeah. we hear in the media as our framework for DEI. When, we, when I talk about examples of inclusion in my book. I talk about, well, let's think about inclusion from the standpoint of many managers have teams in different regions. If you're a part of a global organization, you might have a team in one location and another location. So think about how do you make sure that everyone feels included when you're dealing with different time zones, managers, like how do you make everyone feel included? And there's fairness and when you set times for meetings and make sure that no one's staying, you know, having to work until 10 PM, because you're setting a meeting at a particular hour and it doesn't work for somebody in a different time zone. So if you can start to exercise that thinking, Mm -hmm. that is part of DEI. And certainly the more you exercise your brain in that way, the more conditioned it becomes, the more malleable it, be, it becomes to other aspects and concepts of DEI. Then it's a lot easier to navigate conversations around race. Because I mean, let's be honest with, with ourselves. Oftentimes we think when managers, many of us, me included, we think about DEI and we're nervous. It's really around tied to the conversations around race. We're just like, oh boy, I don't want to go there. So what I am trying to illustrate is that one, there's so many different elements of diversity, equity, inclusion, race being one, but there's so many different components and categories of diversity. And two, there are different ways of navigating these conversations. And a lot of the tools that we need to navigate these conversations, we already possess yeah, we already learn when we're going through management development. Now, if an organization doesn't offer management development, that's a whole different.
0: Yeah, that's a, a whole, whole other
1: conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. This is just widening the lens of our management skills and our toolbox. That's I com- it.
0: I completely agree. Which is why I made the statement of "I found your book so refreshing" because a lot of it does get back to the fundamentals of managing. I read the section in your book, what does a a constructive DEI conversation look like? And you kind of referenced some of the the techniques, which are the basics, listening, clarifying. I always go back, I use my tagline of help me understand, right? So let me dig deeper. I want to understand what happened, what was said. Let's just talk through it. So I have a better understanding of what's going on. Unfortunately, love the comment you made. I completely agree. I use it all the time in the corporate world, particularly when it comes to managing, we do make things much more complicated than what they need to be. Yeah, And we just can't get out of our own way many times. That's right.
1: I feel like if human resources gets to present this to the business as a business imperative, let's identify what the return on investment is initially. Mm -hmm. How does diversity actually help drive our business. If it's business to consumer, let's identify, do we have an opportunity to widen our market share? Yes, probably most organizations that are business to consumer, like that's what they want to do. Well, if there's an opportunity to widen and increase our market share, then that's clearly an opportunity for more DEI. If it's a business to business organization, well, how do we get to understand our partners better? How do we work with our partners better? Well, it means that the people in our organization have to be more understanding, more open, more receptive to the needs of our partners. And that's how we can increase our relationships with our partners, retention, all of that. Let's put a number to it. Then let's start measuring. Let's create a baseline of where are we right now? Mm -hmm. in terms of our DEI journey. Let's look at our population. So that becomes the business part of it. Let's put together a DEI playbook. I have a a DEI masterclass. It's complimentary on March 3rd, where I present and provide HR professionals with strategies on creating a DEI playbook. And I offer Mm -hmm. like four other things that they need to do to elevate DEI in their workplace. So Human resources is doing this on one end of the spectrum, but then on the other, the practice of DEI is through the managers. The managers are the ones that are having these conversations. They're the ones that are leveraging management skills through hiring practices, through performance management practices, through compensation practices. They're allowing their management skills to affect these elements of management. So DEI is permeating in that way on the soft skills level, and it's also permeating on a business level. And that's how change actually happens. That's how we can actually move the needle. And that's how everyone is is brought on board because everyone is going to gain something from it. And then it's no longer seen as an extracurricular activity, as something that is a nice to have, or we need to do, but it becomes a business imperative.
0: I don't think many out there would make the connection of DEI and return on investment. So it's right? interesting to hear you, you say that, but I think the way you explained it, there is a component of that.
1: In my opinion, there's a significant component, especially when you start with a you know a B2C company and mm-hmm. you look at, they've got a product, they need to get their product out there. They need to sell their product and they want to increase their revenue. Well, aren't there different communities that we're missing? I'm sure we don't know what we don't know. And mm-hmm. how do we know it? Well, we have, to have, we have to start having conversations and shift our thinking. Mm-hmm. To me, it's so clear and it's so obvious because I see it so that's where we get to equip our human resources professionals to actually take on that responsibility to figure that out. That's how they're going to get a seat at the table. Now, the question also becomes, hey, maybe HR doesn't want to own DEI, but at this point it is it's oftentimes their responsibility. So what I want to do is support them with that and give them the tools so that they can navigate and be successful. And they don't have to do it alone. They have the managers to reinforce DEI in the workplace.
0: Where do you think the ownership should rest in terms of DEI in the organization?
1: That's a really great question. I I think definitely with managers, that's one. They're the ones who Are going to reinforce dei right Mm -hmm. they're the ones who they've got the widest belt in the organization they they liaise between you know top down bottom up it's managers
0: they're the biggest group of managers
1: that's right people stay or leave an organization because of their relationship with their managers more often than not they can be the superheroes the intent of my book is to Empower managers to to see that you guys can actually be the superheroes in all of this, and it doesn't have to be a burden because you're already doing it. Mm -hmm. So that responsibility becomes partly managers; it becomes partly everybody's responsibility. Managers get to own one element of it, and whoever is charged with the responsibility of the strategy of DEI is the other entity. Now, human resources might be the group or it might be a DEI professional, but it's got to be someone who actually has a seat at the table. Now, at the end of the day, I do think EHR should be involved in, to some degree, whether or not they're the, the point people or not, they should be involved in some degree because they're involved in the recruiting aspect of things. So they should be involved in, to some degree. Having a, a DEI expert, a head of DEI, a DEI a chief diversity officer is a great initiative, but they cannot do it alone. We know that the average tenure for DEI, uh, a chief diversity officer is three years because they they usually come into organizations and then they're charged with creating magic on their own as a one person unit and having to fix everything. And it's an up, uphill battle. So this is why having managers involved and being able to communicate the return and invo- investment and it, it will draw in everyone else, all of the other stakeholders that can actually affect change. So yeah. whether it's human resources, whether it's a chief diversity officer, they, who, who's responsible for DEI, they cannot do it alone. They definitely need the managers to reinforce this.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Well said. And. Uh, I do want to go back to you were talking about recruiting, and uh, I read a line in your book here, and, and which I found interesting. You made a statement: recruiting efforts don't have to be about quotas, which historically have been seen as checking a box. That's right. Which I found interesting. So maybe you can share your perspective on that.
1: I was conducting research across a couple of different organizations. And I asked them, you know, just blanket questions, you know, what worries you about DEI? Mm. And out of, I think it was about 30 individuals, I can at least say that at least a half of that, you know, 50% of those individuals said the concern I have is it's going to involve quotas and I might lose my position because we need to fill it with a diversity hire that's mm-hmm. one and two the quality of people might go down because of diversity and this is these these things are not true but historically, those are the
0: conversations that are those are the thoughts those are the conversations well
1: Because we see it every day. About a year and a half ago, there was this movement to, okay, well, we need to increase diversity. And you would hear people say, well, I'm going to give up my position so I can bring in a diverse hire. You saw this throughout organizations where the need was, hey, we need to fill this position with a Black person, a Latinx person, a woman. That was the precedence that was set. So, what I believe, and when I work with my clients, I try to position it as, look, it's about widening the pool of candidates. Statistically, if you widen the pool of candidates so that it is more reflective of diversity, it's much more diverse, then you increase your chances of bringing in someone, of course, Anyone you bring in is going to be qualified. They're qualified to do the job. But when you widen the pool, you increase the likelihood of bringing in someone who has a background that's not consistent with the current background that you have. So that's what we get to do. It's not about, hey, let's fulfill a quota. Let's bring in a woman. Let's bring in a black person. Organizations are doing that. But that's not the approach that we want to take because it sets the wrong precedence. And then that person comes into the organization, they're seen as a token. And so now this person actually has one of two experiences. One experience is that they feed into that stereotype. And a stereotype is that single narrative that people have about this person. They feed into the stereotype, which hurts their ability to actually advance and be productive in the organization, or they work against the stereotype. They're, They're constantly trying to prove that they're not. The mm. stereotype, which is also very exhaustive and sure. can affect somebody's productivity and mm. their ability to actually do a great job.
0: As I'm sitting here listening, widening the pool. Basically, what we're talking about is making sure we're we're not excluding more people yeah. and that we're we're making sure that because the talent is out there, we just need to make sure we're yeah. casting a wider net.
1: Cast a wider net, slate diversity hiring. What it doesn't look like is there are six men applying for this position and there's one woman. Well, of course, the likelihood of that woman getting the position is very, is is minimal. And if that woman does get the position, most people will think, oh, she got it because she was a woman. That's the perception. But if you widen the pool and there are five women and five men, then there's a 50, 50% chance that it could be a woman or a man who gets the position. Mm-hmm. And then the perception is, well, she earned the position. She was qualified for the position. And
0: I think we really have to do a lot more effort into changing perception. Cause I thought it was interesting as you were talking through this, you know, that somebody coming in feels as if now they have to work a lot harder because they were given the position. That's right. And I think oftentimes we may fail to realize what the other person, that person is going through. Mm -hmm. in terms of that. Now they have to prove themselves when they should never even be put in that position to begin with. That's right. Meaning made to feel that way.
1: That's right. And then the other key word is that person. There's still one. And that's a challenge too. When you're still one and there's lack of representation, how does that impact the experience, the journey, your ability to actually, you know, do your best work? These are questions that I I ask managers in this book. At the end of every chapter, what I like to do very much like a workshop is, hey, take a minute to do some Mm self-reflection. What would it look like if you were the only person that looked like you in the workplace? How would that affect you? Now, there's an also second element at the end of every chapter, which is take it to your team. Now apply exercise with your team so that this is how you can start to actually shift the narrative and shift and widen your lens around
0: DEI. The ability to even just have these conversations will inevitably just help people to move forward. And again, I, I think it goes back to what we were talking about before. It just goes back to some of the fundamentals, right? Of of, of, of managing as well and having these discussions. Those,
1: yes, the fundamentals of managing. It's demystifying or mm-hmm. just widening our understanding of what DEI is. Because mm-hmm. again, like I go back to, you know, I believe that there is a very narrow understanding of what diversity is, what equity is, and what inclusion is, right? When we think about diversity, we think race and gender. Right. And certainly those are absolutely important and they They, they hold more weight in a lot of instances, but there's so many other layers. There are three layers of diversity that I, I, as far as I'm concerned, there's a physical and biological, there's the, the level that has to do with culture. And then there's a level that has to do with sort of like the, you know, the business climate especially for those in the workplace. When we think about whether we're introverts or extroverts, that's a component of DEI. Now, when we weigh it against gender, of course, we know that one carries more weight than another and needs to have more emphasis in the workplace, but it doesn't mean that we should only focus on one element. And so that's part of it. It's, allowing individuals to understand that there's so many definitions. And by doing that, we invite more people into the conversation. Diversity. When I talk about equity, we always think compensation. Compensation is absolutely critical, but it's not just about compensation. One of the things I always ask is, especially now that a lot of organizations are hybrid, right? They remote work, and then some people can come into the office. Well, how much access do people have to senior leadership? Does everyone have the same amount of access to the headquarters? That is equity too. When we think about mentorship programs, a lot of organizations or some organizations don't have formal mentorship programs. So there's usually like an old boys club, right? A, like a boys club. And sometimes it's a white boys club in some organizations where mm-hmm. there's just a group of people that they that have access, access to another group of people to be mentors. Mm-hmm. So equity looks like, how do we get other people to have access to mentors at this mm-hmm. at a particular level? Inclusion looks like belonging. And what does that mean? Well, what that could look like is When an organization goes through a merger or an acquisition, how do we actually create a new like an organization where everyone feels involved, feels included? People don't feel slighted, they don't feel like they just lost everything and now they're just being forced into this new ideology.
0: Or they put a label on them. Oh, you're from the legacy side. That's right. right. Your
1: legacy and we're like so this is another way of looking at DEI that. I think is a huge mm-hmm. miss for many people because this is not what we're usually talking about. is not yeah. how we're usually describing it. So what we get to do is we get to widen our understanding of DEI, invite more people in, equip managers with the understanding
0: mm-hmm.
1: that they already have a lot of these tools or these tools exist within management development. And it's just shifting the lens a little bit.
0: It's another, That's another it element. Is. It's another element of another it.
1: Another element.
0: Yeah. Right? Well, your book does a great job in terms of, you know, defining DEI, what it is, what it's not, as well as going into privilege and talking about that, which, yeah. you know, I thought was, was excellent. And uh, again, I love one of your other comments too. You know, no one knows everything and no one is free of biases either.
1: That's right. Yeah, I love to say that because it doesn't always sit well with everyone, Uh, especially when I'm talking to individuals who are from particular marginalized communities, right? In the workplace, I've had this sense where they're kind of like some individuals are, you know, have this attitude of like, yes, they need to learn, the rest of them need to learn, and I'm just going to sit back. And the truth is, no, no, we all need to learn. We're all on a continuum and it's not, I don't get to focus on you understanding everything that I understand. I need to focus on understanding myself, understanding as much as I can and sharing what I know and and also hearing you and understanding where you're coming from. And that's it. And we all reach our points of understanding at our own time. So that's, that's really, really important. And it's critical. And we also, get to also acknowledge that we all come from a place of privilege. Mm -hmm. Some of us possess more privilege than others, but we all have privilege and we we can start there. That becomes an equalizer. Okay. Mm -hmm. No one, no one is void of privilege. We all, as long as we live in the United States, we all have some level of privilege. Let's start there. Mm -hmm. That doesn't always sit well with people. That wasn't comfortable for me at first either, because I always felt like, well, I'm black. I I I was stateless and undocumented at one time. I was orphaned one time. Woe is me, right? And so it's easy for me to just come from to have that, you know, the attitude of I don't need to learn anything anything else. It's this is for other people to figure out. Well, things don't move forward if we have that attitude and that approach, and we take that approach. So we all get to have a low level of humility and understanding for each other. That's really where it starts.
0: Yeah, I agree. And even that vulnerability to even share and acknowledge it. And that's where the conversations can open up. Again, those are elements that that get back to even the fundamentals, right? Of of leaders just showing some humility, vulnerability, leading by examples and opening up and- Asking
1: questions, asking questions, asking permission to ask questions. That's what I always say. Look, you know, managers. In any other instance outside of conversations around DEI, if a person comes to you with an issue, you're going to ask clarifying questions because you're trying to understand where they're coming from. So do that. But in this case, just ask permission to ask questions, so it doesn't feel like an interrogation.
0: Right.
1: I have had managers say, "Well, Martine, when in terms of microaggressions, I don't necessarily agree that this is a microaggression. I don't." And I go, "Well, that's not." That doesn't, you don't get to decide whether someone should feel what they're feeling. What you get to do is to try to understand where they're coming from and try to find a solution. That's what we get to do as managers. We don't always agree with everything that our direct reports are saying, but we try to find some level of understanding and reach some sort of conclusion. Mm -hmm. That's what it comes down to.
0: And that's what our role is as managers, find solutions. That's right. So it comes full circle. We kind of started a little bit with the managers and yes. We've kind of come full circle with it again and 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 I think that's a perfect way to wrap up this discussion. It's back Thank to the managers know. and so I appreciate you coming on and sharing your expertise and talking about your book. I highly recommend the book. I think it's a fantastic book. And you referenced a a webinar that you're doing complimentary.
1: Yes. So um on my website martincalau.com, you know Anyone, human resources professionals, I encourage you to just go on and register for my next webinar, which is on March 3rd, and it's complimentary. And we're literally just going over the five things that you can do, that we can do as HR professionals to actually move DEI forward, to affect DEI. So that's on March 3rd
0: fantastic. And we'll put a link to your website in the show notes. So anybody out there who's listening, you'll have access to it as well. Well, Martine, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your book and sharing your your experience with all of us. It's been great having you on. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much. This was fun.
0: Thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with a friend or colleague who you think might also get some value from it. I'm Rob Fonte. And I'll see you on the next episode of the Leadership Jam Session podcast.